What's the best thing to lick off your fingers? Beef ribs. Shovel. Hot Cheetos. Man, Shamir had a good one. Dude, oh my god, it's crazy. So, I didn't even know what question you were gonna ask, right? But I was like, in my head, I just put in beef ribs. Whatever the question was gonna be. Oh, well, that doesn't perfectly. make it as fun. Well, realistically, you mean to say barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce, yeah. But like, but I guess a little bit of that. Uh, no, but that's insane. Because even if you were like, if you were to be in a movie, I would have said beef ribs. So, <laughs> you were say, so you're telling me you were gonna say beef ribs no matter what. No matter Why? what. Why? What was the reason? Well, because I usually have trouble coming up with something. So I was just like, all right, let me come up with something random as hell, no matter what, and then it's gonna go. And I had a great answer for what you were doing. You really did have a good answer. Is that true, though? Is that true, though? Does that stand true for you? If you were to lick, like, the barbecue sauce of beef ribs off of your fingers, that you would enjoy that? I would enjoy that, yeah. Mm. I mean, we did that when we went to um, our southern trip, and we had some beef ribs. And Mm -hmm. no, We had a lot of barbecue-flavored things. Yeah. Mm. And so that's always good, you know, licking your finger off barbecue stuff. Amber, you said chavo uh, rice, (laughs) which you... Don't eat. What? Okay, so. Can I just say that I resonated most with your answer, just just to start. Well, yes. Hot Cheetos was a fire answer. Literally. That was so yes, literally. I don't know why I said shovel. I just imagined myself eating desi food. I don't know if you you guys eat like desi food with your hands, right? And you know, like at the end of the plate, there's always like you do that little like wipe down, and then like you lick your finger. Do you guys do that? Yeah. Yeah, and I always find that so satisfying to just like wipe down the whole plate down to every last column and then lick your finger. But it's not it's not like cuz you're when you eat like a lot of they see people like my mom only eats with her hands a lot of time when she eats specific kind of uh rice like balao. Mm-hmm. She loves eating it with her rice uh, with okay. her hands cuz it's like sticky and it forms together. Um so you're already like eating it off your hands, so it's not like a added thing at the end like for example See, you would you think get the, it's not but that last few like swipes like where you're actually getting it off the plate you're just using it as like a shovel to your mouth right i actually no, no. i use the finger to like scoop it onto my fork or spoon and then i do it <laughs> no no but like see so. how you're getting the just the barbecue sauce when you do it off the fingers you're getting just the cheeto dust yeah. and not the whole cheeto or like you know how you eat a bagel um, and then like the you know if it's Pink an cheese. everything bagel and then the everything is left mm. and then you just eat the seeds yeah it's not like you're biting into a bagel you're just eating the seeds right but it's I fun mean, yeah that's true <laughs> and cheeto yeah. dust yeah licking things off your fingers it's a fun thing to do any spicy thing. chip that you lick off your finger is just fire yep yeah. and hopefully you're getting a taste of today's episode of strange flavors this is brought to you by Olive Theory. My name is Shimmer. I'm Faraz. My name is Amber. This is the strangest and greatest podcast in the game. In the you planet. Can, in the planet. You can email us or send us your music on strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. Two people sent in really nice tracks last time, and that oh. was awesome. So I'm glad um, they did, and we always link it in the description below. So. You know, this might be your chance yeah. to to get your music out there. Yeah, and they are those work... are those the songs that are in the podcast today? No, they were in the last podcast. 
And they were cousins. Nice. They were cousins with each other. And they had fire <laughs> music, I'm sure. I'm just saying that so Amber doesn't ask in the future episodes. So. <laughs> I was actually going to leave you alone in this. There's also a new um, application for uh, new co-hosts in the description. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can listen to this podcast everywhere. For real. And you can also watch this podcast on YouTube. You can see my beautiful kind of beard growing. This is the longest that Shamir has ever gotten his facial hair to grow. It was never on the cheeks before. Mm-hmm. It was on the other cheeks, but not these cheeks. <laughs> but now he's doing great. So. Your beard looks so good, Shamir. I'm proud I'm of proud you. Does it actually? All right. It's like I've been seeing his No Shave November results every year, and this is definitely the best one so far. Well, I don't like the handlebar thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. once you once you get it to the same <laughs> level as the chin stuff, it'll look really like... How, how's the sides, high. though? It's nice. It's coming in. It's trying. It's, it's like a little like patchy, right? Udonis Haslam from the Miami Heat. He has <laughs> that patchy kind of beard. But yeah, you can also probably see a clip of this on our social... On our, um, I said social New co-host. Already. New co-host. New co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm a little rusty. But we're just trying to replace Frost, actually. We're also now on TikTok. Ooh. We're on TikTok. And we've been growing, you know? We've been yeah. getting a mad views okay. and stuff. So check out our uh, awesome clips on that. And if you'd like to be part of our amazing town, Strange Flavors Town, with our executive producers, Bobbert Bagels and Cassie's Cupcakes, wow. we have a link down below where you can sustainably help this podcast. Wow. Nice. Yeah. We want to open up Sadia Samosa. So if your name is Sadia, go ahead and donate to this podcast and open a <laughs> samosa shop. <laughs> Let's go. And then we also have this wonderful, amazing YouTube channel that goes by the name of Ronald Ponal. Uh-oh. And we have a dis- we have a Discord for it that we just launched like a month ago. We also have a Patreon for it, right? We have mm-hmm. extra little things we juicy add. Juicy content. Our- juicy content. We have monthly, monthly video chats with you guys. We do a bunch of stuff on there, and we have an amazing merch line on ronalponal.com where you can get your fabulous, fabulous merch. We just put new stickers on there. A lot of people had been asking for stickers, and you guys went crazy uh, for Black Friday on the stickers. But we're really excited that um, uh, we have these new uh, stickers on there that are Ronopono based, and also the auntie that um, you know says the "I will sacrifice my life for Pakistan" and "Grape." <laughs> we have those yeah. stickers if you want those on yeah. there, designed by our friend Isa. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. Yep, and we recently had a crazy Black Friday sale that you guys probably missed. But this merch will be very exclusive very soon. So get it before it's hot. All right. We're going to be talking. Get it while it's hot. Get it while it's hot. Yeah, there you go. It's warming what up did right I say? now. What did get I say? it before it's hot. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but in more recent news. Yes. Why the hell uh-huh. did The weekend? not get a Grammy nomination. This is out of my realm. Tell me. Because uh, he's doing the Super Bowl and there was some politics with the Grammy people where he was supposed to either perform there or at the Super Bowl from what he says. And so therefore, the politics continue in the Grammys and now he doesn't get to get nominated because somebody felt a certain way at the Grammys from what is being told from his people, I guess. That happened with Nikki too, I'm just going to say. It's kind of it, like, 
it doesn't make any sense and it hasn't made sense for a while where you know i don't know who these people are but they give it to whatever like you know whoever shows up and whoever's playing nice with them and i mean like remember when it was like i think it was jay-z and kendrick lamar and i was just about to bring that up and who else was it so like a really good it was Macklemore who won it out of all those people. Yeah. I mean, and not, no shade to Macklemore. I think he was doing great for, you know, the time being. But it was just like, it was just a moment. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, this, um, it, it didn't, it didn't even stand uh, in time against those other projects. Like yeah. who still listens to Macklemore? I don't know. And <laughs> there was The a- Weeknd is literally like the great, the biggest artist in the world right now. He surpasses yeah. Drake too. That, that surprised me. There was a funny trend that was going on TikTok. It was like, when did you know the Grammys were like snubbing people? Mm-hmm. And then people would like say their experiences. Like people said, you know, Nikki, this. Um, they said the exact experience that you said. But like, it's, honestly, it's so weird. The Weeknd is, is one of the greatest artists we have alive right now. Like in terms of popularity, in terms of actual music, in terms of his singing ability, like... Not did even they go based single... off of numbers for if they if did, it was based off of numbers, be... he would win <laughs> <laughs> okay. all of them. Yeah, he's he was mm. top 100 billboard on most, you know, of his songs. Like, his album was huge culturally. So what is it, it based huge. off the... of like a just a decision of a group of people? Yep, what yeah. do they just decide well, the, the same, cultural same impact thing is or like, something? I'm, I think there's like a criteria that they say that things have to meet, right? It's the same thing as the Oscars, yeah, um, and you also I, have to submit it. But, like, he did, you know, submit. The thing is, like, you know, these, um, these, I guess, awards, uh, award shows are still being held to such a high standard and people still want them so badly. And if there were to be some sort of, like, a protest against them, you know, if you're somebody who has been wanting that all their life, has grown up on that, you know, there's a lot of artists that will still go uh, to either the Grammys or the Oscars because they're like, wait, I don't want to miss out on this it still means a lot to me and i got nominated and i might win and um until we have something of equal comparison that is like as good as the grammys right this goes for any industry the nfl right where you have uh players who still continue to play in the league um and don't really like their experience but there's nothing as good um uh, that offers that type of an opportunity the grammys and the oscars are still the grammys and the oscars and that's kind of what, um, you know, they always have that value as long as we continue to give it to them. And I don't know what it would take. Um, do, do you think it's going down? I don't, I don't think so. I think it, I think it like, you know, changes, but if you, uh, still want to talk about accolades, you know, it still comes down to how many Oscars and how many Grammys yeah. somebody has. Like I, I see a lot of these artists, especially like last year, they, they'd be like the, the Grammys sucks, you know? And even like Tyler, when he won a Grammy, he was like, you know, I don't deserve this category, but thank you. I've always wanted this, but thank you. Um, But, you know, I see a lot of artists now that got nominated this year and they're like, oh my God, I got a Grammy. But literally like the last year, they're like, oh, they snubbed me or, you know, two years ago they snubbed me, but they still come back to this award. That's what I'm saying. It's still exciting. It's still the, like, imagine, you know, say you got nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Wouldn't it still be a Grammy to you? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like you know it's something that's kind of a weird thing but and, and it sucks that the system is that way but like 
we continue to give it that value. It's you can't just be like, oh yeah, I'm not nominated. It means nothing to me anymore, yeah. and then walk away from it because it's still, you know, people but, still hold it to that value. I mean, for me, I don't know. Like, I'm not a huge weekend fan, but f- when I see this, I'm like, what the heck? Like, yeah. this just threw me off. I'm just like, this man deserves something, especially yeah. a Grammy. Like, he is Grammy material. As soon as I heard the first single, I'm like, okay, this is a Grammy. And, like, the album, I'm like, okay, this is a Grammy. Mm-hmm. But I And, like, last, last point about the value thing is that, you know, I remember when Drake came out and um, I forget what award he won. It might have been a Grammy or something else. But he said, like, you know, to all the artists out there that are thriving and, you know, making great music and moving the culture, you don't need one of these. But Drake can say that at his stature and his, at his point because he has so many. No, I and, think what he was saying was, um, like... As long as you have fans showing up to your shows, right? Um, like that's all you need. As right. long as there's somebody's waiting. Yeah, but I think and, that's what he meant. And but like, again, you know, someone that doesn't have all of those awards that Drake has, it still means yeah. a lot to them to at least have one of those. It's gonna be it's gonna be a weird thing for a while. So let's bring on The Stranger Today. Uh, The Stranger Today is an artist who takes inspiration from her cultural identity, music, and personal experiences to pour into her art that is loved, celebrated, and worn by her massive following. In fact, it's probably hung up somewhere at your favorite South Asian New York shop. We talked to her about managing a social media influenced business, Instagram artists versus real artists, a controversial art set that came with death threats, and a whole lot more. We're very excited to introduce this very talented stranger that you all know as half and half, Please welcome Hafsa Khan. Microphone check, make it a microphone check. Give it a microphone, I make them make it a microphone dead. Don't step to me, newbie. I could truly be moody. I could have played the fucking Grinch in the movies. I've been a part time shadow cat, part time. That is not a guy that I would ever want to try to battle rap. Snap, crack a pop, mind fried to a crisp. Make an MC into a wide eyed lunatic. Yeah, we have and we, and we have Cleveland and LeBron James and all Yo, Cleveland is legend. not that yeah, nice. Cleveland. <laughs> no, Cleveland, was- Cleveland. Cleveland is Baltimore adjacent. Let's be very clear. No, it's Baltimore not. is Cleveland. We have I mean, a DC I won't say like that Baltimore is like something. Us. Baltimore is not like something super hype or anything. Cleveland, I remember just it was kind of depressing. It, but, it seemed like a but there coming was, of age movie set. But there was like I'm the, not from Cleveland, so I'm not gonna rep it like that. But I will say <laughs> that the one time I've been to Baltimore and the and the few times that I've been to Cleveland, I got the same vibes. That's fair, though. I think that that's a fair assessment. Well, at least we're right next to D.C., so we make that's up for true. it. That's true. That's very true. The closest big city to us is Chicago, and it's a five-hour drive. Mm, that's like yeah. New York for us. Not bad. How has this yeah. year been for you? This year um, has Did been... Did it impact, like, your day-to-day or not much? Yeah. So okay. I work a um, full-time job on top of my art. Um, and I was going in every day, um, and this past year, obviously, since March, I've been working from home. Um, and so living at home has never been an issue for me, um, because I come and go as I please. My parents have kind of just, I don't know, adapted to that mentality with me and my brother. I have a younger brother. And things were fine, but I've been here in this room that's like now an art studio, an office and where I live yeah. <laughs> um, since March. And so my day-to-day has slowed down tremendously. Last year in 2019, I was doing my taxes and I had to like total how many flights I had taken. And I had flown 26 round trips 
Um, nice. And so, That's exciting. Yeah. So it was really crazy because this year I like I've gone two places, you know, and so it was a huge lifestyle adjustment. I think I took it well. I think the first two weeks we were all going a little crazy. Um, I had a few breakdowns, but then I got really used to it. And now I can't imagine going into an office. Um, yeah. And so my routine has changed and my mindset has changed. I feel like I've grown up a lot emotionally um, and taken on a lot more responsibility of myself. I feel like... Um, I didn't do that previously because I was just on to like the next thing. Like I was like, this thing's done onto the next thing, moving really fast and life just slowed down. Did mm-hmm. you guys feel that way? I mean, we, I mean, at least for myself, how you're saying the whole studio and you know, this is where I sleep and work and all that. It's always been like that for me. I've been working from yeah. home for a long time now and the quarantine didn't impact me that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, but I think that's just, you know, yeah. I, I feel I, more like you, Hafsa. Yeah. I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle, but definitely on the, yeah. this has been my studio and stuff like that, so. How yeah. do you guys feel, like, working and living in the same space? Like, does it often feel like you are going to work oh, where I you actu- live and I actually uh, work? made the separation. Like, I started sleeping in a different room. And then, really? yeah, and so I think it helps for me because before, like, my bed's like right there, and yeah. then I used to work right here all day. And so, then just like going, noticing that I can like relax more, like just seeing yeah. my bed, I'd be like, oh, I want to relax. But now, sleeping in a different room, it's like, okay, this room is strictly just for work. Mm. Um, my bed's right behind I me, I live in the basement, <laughs> and I'm at my desk right now, so I work here, but and the I go to sleep there. basement is a large space, though, right? Like, are you in the yeah. whole basement? Yeah, I mean, it's not that big. Yeah. It's probably the size of some people's rooms, but yeah, it is that kind of, it's like an entertainment center and all of that. So mm-hmm. um, I can go to like, you know, a few steps and, and feel a little bit different, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I've never minded it. I think it depends on the type of person too. I'm a very mm-hmm. like introverted type of person who just likes to keep to himself. So it's kind of like, I have always wanted that anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I was, um, I was just watching your... Um, butter chicken podcast uh that yeah. you did last year and um i love those guys that was guys. this I'm a year huge fan. That, was that was this, this year, year? What? no it was way january nah <laughs> nah what oh, I, that was january that's ins- because i remember originally watching it the first time i just yeah. rewatched yeah. it but i remember watching it the first time and it was definitely a year or two ago yeah it was a few years <laughs> ago <laughs> you're lying that's cr- that's insane yeah. i'm actually yeah. guys it was in january shocked. That's crazy. It was a different away, world, but, though. It's not this world. But it feels like yeah. it's been right. a, like a year since then. Yeah. I think I think you can't say it like it, this was this year. It has to be like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Yeah. Like I guess just different life. It's December right? now, and that was January, so we're pulling up on a year. Yeah. True. But um, I want to say like uh, I'm a fan of that podcast. So shout out to uh, those guys, DJ mm-hmm. Sherrod and Same. DJ yeah. Juicy. That was an awesome podcast. I remember um Thank at you. the end of it, uh you know you were talking about personal growth and that was kind of one of those goals that you had so um you said that you know you wanted to kind of really lay back and kind of work on that for yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, you had been working a lot on your business so do you feel like during this entire time that you've been kind of alone not taking those flights that you've gotten a chance to work on that yeah i think so i think that i have done and explored so much work 
um and parts of my art that I haven't in like five to ten years that I just did in the past six months one of those things was painting um with acrylics I had moved so deeply into digital and graphic art this past year that I totally forgot like where I came from like I totally mm. forgot the origins of my work and a couple months ago like when the pandemic started and there wasn't much to do I was like let me um like re-explore this part of me that kind of kicked off all of this other stuff that I've been doing and it was definitely something that I missed and craved so much um and I really practiced that skill too so that was really a great thing that I feel like I was able to grow on mentally but also my physical skill um that I hadn't feel like I'd you know practiced in such a long time yeah that's really good um and then you started uh working on your physical health it seems like with these juice cleanses what are you trying to do like clean out your pipes <laughs> are you trying to empty out the pipes you know i bought a peloton i bought a peloton oh and i was so okay. excited is it, it hasn't delivered it oh, hasn't okay. delivered it doesn't deliver until the end of january wait what the, Why? Peloton, the peloton like two weeks ago the peloton industry is like booming so it's booming like i'd say invest in stocks um they are so backed up from the court like from quarantine where everybody wanted a peloton um when i finally got on the train they were like we can't deliver this to you until next Damn. until like the end of next month so yeah um waiting for it to come we'll let you know but um i feel like then it's celery juice to get until then it's celery juice <laughs> didn't know that it was like um but how long can you ride a bike indoors though i'm really curious I don't know. I'm like one of those like girls that does spin classes okay. and like mm -hmm. religiously. And so okay. I did those like for two years straight, like three, four times a week. Um, and then I stopped and I, I, I feel like it's going to be the same vibe, but maybe it won't be. Because I feel like the spin class is like, you know, it's kind of like a little party. Yeah. Like, they kind of get it like they, it's lit, like the person's mm -hmm. yelling, it's hype. But like, yeah. She probably got a disco ball in her room or something. Like that sound. <laughs> but back Get to this vibe. juice cleanse. How it's pretty gross. Today's day one. You guys caught me in day oh, one. So, okay. Yeah, it, I really didn't know celery juice was a laxative. I was in the bathroom for a really <laughs> oh. long time. That's why I said you're trying to clean out your pipes out. I mean, I guess it worked, right? So. <laughs> Wait, you didn't know that when you started the cleanse? No, I didn't. I didn't know it was a laxative. I didn't know that this cleanse was specifically to clean out my insides. And so my mom and I both took... I just oh. didn't. I'm sorry. I just didn't know. And so my mom and I... I thought it was like... I thought celery juice was going to be like an appetite suppressant or something. Um, but I took it and then I smelled like celery all day. And I only touched it for two seconds. So I'm wondering if you like consume that much celery juice, does it start to come out of your pores? Because my hands still smell like celery. <laughs> and like now I feel like my face does even after I showered. So maybe. It's maybe like one it of does. Those, it's like uh, maybe every vegetable has something like that where, uh, you know how like they say if you eat too many carrots, you turn orange. You turn orange, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's like the thing with celery. That's like the side but effect. I made my mom like take it. Wasn't or your nails shot. are turning like, green. <laughs> funny um my i made my mom take a little bit of it with me um and like she knew like all of its health properties and stuff but she hates celery 
And so, like, she did this thing where, like, do you remember, like, when you, like, when you were kids and, like, you took medicine, your, like, parents would, like, plug your nose and, like, make you say a prayer before you took it? Like, it was, like, one or two lines. My mother did that. I wish my so parents did that. Her nose. My mom did that. Like, it was, like, a okay. two-line prayer. And my mom, d- and she did that. Like, I had, like, flashbacks because she took that, she took, like, a shot of the celery. She took, like, half, like, four four to six ounces of it, like, a shot. Like, just kept gulping it. And had her n- other hand on her nose just going like this. Did she have That's the same effects bad. as you? I don't know. I haven't seen her all day. She's not gonna. She's not gonna talk about it. <laughs> she's not gonna talk about it. Maybe that's why I haven't seen her all day. Uh, did that's you like buy the actual celery and like stick it in a juicer or? So you're uh, going I bought through a like four stocks of celery a day for juicing. I guess I don't know. Today was day one. I only bought one package of celery. It had like eight stocks in it. It made like two glasses worth. My mom took the other. I'm out of celery. So yeah, you have to buy a, a bag of celery a day. So it's definitely like. This whole thing is, like, the vegetable industry is, like, propagating it because, Mm -hmm. like, you know, 11 bags of celery make one pitcher of celery juice. Mm -hmm. And now I understand why it's so expensive at the store. When it first came out as a hype, they couldn't find any celery in any grocery stores in L.A. Oh, my God. (laughs) It would be L.A. I know, right? (laughs) Like, that's such an L.A. thing. That's so funny. Um, That's so funny. I saw that you uh, recently did your Black Friday sales, and and it seemed to be um, of a success. Uh, How did it go? It went so well. We beat last year's numbers by almost triple. Um, Wow. And so I owe a lot of that to my business partner, Thunmit. We love Thunmit. We love Thunmit. We all love (laughs) Thunmit. The podcast loves Thunmit. Thunmit. He's one of my favorite guests on the podcast he's so good at talking to people he's so funny i told him he should have his own show but we'll see he does which one not a a, what is it called yet another podcast oh yeah yeah i mean he has the podcast but i'm I'm saying like a oh mtv cribs type of tv show got it yeah yeah but yeah so like your black black friday sales with uh you and Thunmyth, how'd it go it went really really well um one of the I'm not going to speak too much on it but I do want to say that when you run sales and stuff um, you get the weirdest emails um, from people like what? Um, like just requesting the strangest shit Um, like stuff that could could never exist with your artwork or can you you um, please example In case that person's listening, I'm so okay. sorry, but I it's never okay. promised confidentiality in my emails. So. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody reached out and they asked me to make a wedding dress three days before their, or I'm sorry, three weeks before their wedding with someone else's art. So not another artist's art. They're like, we oh. like this art. Can you put it on a wedding dress? The wedding's in three weeks, by the way. I was like, there's so many questions here. So many <laughs> things wrong with that. <laughs> when have I ever said that I could make a wedding dress? What part of my brand says I make wedding dresses? Um, two, your wedding's three weeks from now. Um, so if I could. Three, this isn't my art. It's somebody else. <laughs> and do they so, know? <laughs> and do they know? I don't think they do. <laughs> so that was really weird. 
What if it's, it's really like, weird. I've seen you post um, on your story that sometimes uh, people will take your art and then print it out and then send it yeah. to you and be like, mm-hmm. look, I hung up your artwork, but they didn't buy it from you. Yeah, <laughs> that happens a lot. And then I just, like, most of the time I just delete it, but sometimes I'm just like, what do you expect me to say? Like... <laughs> Oh my god, so beautiful. <laughs> like on printer paper with faded ink. Thank you so much for stealing. It's black Have and a white. Nice day. <laughs> it's black and white. Um, yeah, so I it happens a lot. People send it to me. And like sometimes I genuinely feel bad because I'm like maybe this person's somewhere where they can't order my artwork, but it's never the case. They mm-hmm. just really printed it out. <laughs> Some people are also just like kind of ignorant um about the way that things work and sometimes they think that okay like what you're describing is actually something that happens a lot in pakistan and india where somebody sees a dress and it's not just about like you know actually drawing art on there or something like that but just literally like design patterns and things like that where they're like can you take this and put it onto this dress and they don't realize that you know that is a form of stealing as well and yeah to the original they designer. They really do. They also take the exact designs of someone else's dress like overseas like so many times. My mom mm-hmm. has done it. She's yeah. like found a fancy designer who like makes something for thousands of dollars and sent it to her tailor. Yeah. Like that's stealing. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they know that like or understand that concept of like, you know, mm-hmm. how that works. They think it's just like a quality thing. Right. Yeah. I don't exactly. Know. So, I mean, um, sometimes you can give them the benefit of the doubt. Other times, it's just pure, like, this is stupid. There's, like, <laughs> two emails and a website link in my bio that I'm constantly promoting, so. Yeah. No, I'm glad that, you know, you're you're doing this well with the business side. I think, like, you know, seeing you um, from only the small amount of time that I think we've um, heard of you. I know you've been on it for uh, on Instagram and just doing your art for a long time, but even the short amount of time that I think we've witnessed what you've been doing, just seeing you go from like that sort of full on art page to like running this entire business and the way that you're so open about it and really proud of it is really, really like cool to see. What was it or, you know, along with that, who is it that that really pushed you to go hard on like the business side? Oh my God, it was Thunmit. Um, he really, Thunmit and I have been friends um, and for those of you who don't know, he runs his brand called Roots Gear. He's been doing it for 13 years. Then and I have been friends on social media for about five years. Um, and I think that he, all of you guys and I have known each other for about two-ish. And so he um, reached out to me like five years ago when I was painting on like watercolor paper and just like posting photos of my art. Um, and he really liked it. And he was like, how can I make help you make this into apparel? And so we worked um, together in 2017 on creating a line with, for Roots Gear that was like in collaboration with me. But it was so difficult because he wanted to take watercolor art and put it on a t-shirt. So it involved layers of scanning and vectorizing and then getting it printed. And it was new territory for both of us. Um, and it was difficult. Um, but we worked on it and then we kind of left it. And I started like a small Squarespace website and I was like manually fulfilling orders. And so anytime somebody would order something, so maybe like five to 10 orders a week, um, I would have to go get it printed and go to the post office and mail it to them. Um, and Wait, how are you getting it printed? 
Like I was getting it printed locally, so they get a, a lot of local printers, and then um, so like it was again like watercolor stuff that I was getting scanned and then printed again on and merch so, on like uh, apparel. No, no, no. It, they were just prints. I was oh, only just doing the prints. prints. Got it. Got yeah, it. I was only doing prints for about a year when I was running my own website, mm-hmm. and because running your own website was difficult for someone who knows nothing about running their own website. I mean, I don't have a, a laptop, <laughs> and yeah. so like it wasn't a priority to me, right? Um, and so I, it became difficult for me to create the work and then also run a business and then like do my full-time job, which I love doing. Um, and so I kind of like stopped for a while. Um, and then I got an iPad and was like really interested in, um, graphic design, but was really scared, um, of digital illustration because I didn't want to lose the authenticity of what I was doing. Um, and so when I drew on it, for the first time, and I, like, compared something I drew to something I painted, like, right next to each other, they looked so similar that I was, like, if I can do this here, I can do this here, but the difference is I can erase my mistakes. Mm. Um, and I kind of just taught myself, and it kicked off from there, and um, that's when the demand started getting higher for, like, people to, like, want to own my work, and then Thunmet reached out to me again, and he was like, we need to really do something. And he was giving me all this advice, and I was like, Thunmet, I don't have the capacity to do it. And he was like, then I'll do it. (laughs) And so we had a partnership starting there in 2018, and he took over and created the website from scratch and handles everything on it. I just create the art, and that is literally the kind of partnership I was looking for. I was looking for somebody who I could trust to run my business so I could focus on the art. Um, And I know that a lot of artists are struggling with that um, because they are either one trying to fully transition into full-time artwork um, and they can't afford to share profits with somebody else um or two don't know someone who can do something like that or set them up to do something like that and force the relationship uh, exactly and yeah. the reason that Dunmet and I work so well is because is because he's also one of my best friends um and that relationship existed outside of business and we just like people always say don't go into business with your friends but if you're able to like compartmentalize your relationships i think that you can um like i don't want to jinx it but so far it's been amazing and i couldn't imagine being in business with someone else um i also think the proximity like the distance between us also really helps because like he's there and i'm here and we're like not constantly in each other's faces um and we have very set like clear boundaries and stuff and so I really, really wish that people had a thun mitt in their lives. Oh, <laughs> damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cute. What's, what's like some of your favorite um, marketing techniques that you, you know, you and him might talk about? What really works for you and feels natural to you? Oh, my God. We fight about this all the time. Yeah. This is so funny. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm not a business person whatsoever. And um, prom- promoting my work and, like, marketing it feels inauthentic sometimes. And he is such a business-minded person. Like, he's a creative, obviously, but also knows how to run a successful business. Right. Um, and so he's constantly, like, messaging me things. He's like, can you post this on your story? Can you do this? I know you don't want to do this, but can you do this? Like, I know you don't. This doesn't feel, like, right to you, but you're going to have to post this right now. And, like, I'm always, like, pushing back. I'm like, I don't want to do this. It doesn't feel right. One of the things that he's been trying to get me to do for the longest time is to promote my work. So to get, like, promotions. And I'm just like, it feels inauthentic. And he's like, no, they work. They have such a huge success rate. Like, promoting your work works. Um, And so, like, 
we're constantly like in a back and forth, but we understand each other so well that we're able to do, um, we're able to work and make it work for both of us and still be really successful in it. But um, he always has like these great marketing ideas that really um, push us to, I feel like, be different than other brands or artists out there. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know that like, you know, it's not, um, even though you're not so much into business, you know, uh, with the way that Thunmith handles it from the outside, it looks like, uh, you know, he's very transparent and open about sharing his ideas. And sometimes when you yeah. come along, like, you know, I've seen you guys go live a few times and I've been, uh, you know, in one of those before. And it just feels like, hey, like we're figuring this out together and this is what's working for us. And you see the human behind what's going on. And then I don't like at that point, I don't care if Hafsa is promoting her work in some way. I know that it's Hafsa doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it just feels like, oh, she's doing what, you know, is going to help her out. And that's right. a good thing. Whereas sometimes you see people that are just, you know, not there at all. And it's all business. Yeah. Um, whereas like you and Dunmit clearly have a lot of personality and, and, you know, things that you're really into and you celebrate that. And it's it's nice to mm -hmm. see that. So I think, you know, that's why people gravitate towards it, which is nice to see. Yeah, I like that. Um, so there's there's a lot of uh, diaspora art, if you want to call it that, out there now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to know some of your thoughts about like, you know, different aspects of it. Right. So like, first of all, why do you think that yours continues to thrive after so long um, in a world where mm -hmm. it's just new pages left and right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure you see so many of them. Um, I think I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, but didn't find the right platform. And then, so I'm glad that you asked me this question because I feel like this is a safe space and an easy, easy way to talk about this. Um, I think the first thing that we need to do is address the word diaspora, okay. um, because a di I feel like all of these refugees and immigrants in the United States, whether they're first generation or immigrants themselves, have co-opted this term um, diaspora and made it their like brand. Um, whereas a diaspora is a displaced people. And so not all of us are part of the diaspora. Um, this was part of my thesis in college. I actually studied international relations and foreign diplomacy. And I um, took a class on um, South Asian studies and we directly like tackled the diaspora and what it means in the United States. And so the diaspora, the South Asian diaspora that exists in the U.S. is is displaced people. So the displaced people are people who have left their homelands because of persecution or other reasons that have like caused them or their like family to be oppressed. And so a lot of us have left our homelands voluntarily. Um, and so I don't think that we're considered part of the diaspora. Um, my family came to the United States um, just because they wanted to, like no one pushed them out of their home countries. And so yeah. we're an immigrant family, but we're not part of the diaspora. Um, and I think sometimes it becomes a disservice to not um, mention that because there are people who have like a lot of like Punjabi Sikh people have left their homelands and are actually part of the diaspora because they were mm. forced to be. Mm. Um, a lot of religious minorities, Shias and Ahmadis from like Pakistan are part of the diaspora because they're forced to be. Um, but a lot of us are just immigrants. Um, and though we have our own struggles, right? Um, but people who are part of the diaspora have that added layer. And I think that I've just been so, it's something that I've been wanting to talk about because I just see it everywhere on social media. And I think that it's so That's even why I used it, it, right? Like all I see yeah. is 
the I, this this term didn't exist like to me mm-hmm. um you yeah. know a few years ago and then now yeah, I, I didn't see even know about it south yeah. asian diaspora diaspora art diaspora podcast like everywhere mm-hmm. that there's something south asian re- related i see the word diaspora next to it and yeah. i appreciate you like even yeah, sharing thank that you so knowledge much. Um, yeah to, to um, kind of spread that awareness. I, exactly. I think that yeah. we don't talk about it. It's not part of our vocabularies. It's just a word that everybody's been using this entire time and nobody's like needed or like had any sudden urgency to look into what it actually means. Yeah. Um, and like, why would you, right? Like, it's just something that you assumed came By with your immigrant clues, identity. Yeah. yeah. And so that's something that I definitely wanted to talk about um, because I think it does such a disservice to people that are actually part of the diaspora. Um, sure. But um, let's categorize I, it in a way um, then that makes more sense, which would be, I guess, just South Asian art pages. Is that fair yeah. to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if so. You, if you wanted to finish the thought, go ahead. I was just. Yeah, no, saying. I agree with you. Um, yeah. But I was going to say that there's just so many people taking their stab at it. Um, and I think that's so great, you know, um, it just bothers me when people like blatantly rip off your ideas. It Mm. doesn't bother me when people are inspired by your ideas and create work. It bothers me when people take your ideas, create work, and then try to sell it. Um, Mm. that's the big issue, right? Because you're trying to capitalize off of someone else's labor, whether that be like physical labor or mental labor, right? Like you didn't come up with the idea. And so it's happening left and right. Um, People send it to me all the time. I think that it's, there's a very distinct difference between Instagram artists and actual artists. Um, People who create like work that's just for content purposes and people who are actually creating pieces of art. Um, and I, there's nothing wrong with doing either. I just think that it's important to notice the distinction, um, because a lot of people reach out to me asking, why didn't you draw art that like represented this struggle? Like, why didn't you do anything for this protest? Why didn't you do something for these people? And I think that it's so important, but I think it's different. I think there's people who exist out there to do that and it's important work, but um, it's not what every artist's responsibility to do with their work. Like, yes, I noticed that this like thing is happening to this specific community. I'm going to donate my time and money, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to make art about this because it feels inauthentic. Um, and so you think I think that, that the Instagram art is more related to clout. I think it's related to like. I mean, obviously, it's related to clout, but I also think it's it could related be business to, like, too. It's business, yeah. which sucks. Yeah, which I mean, really that's my sucks. issue with those posts that you're talking about. Like some people, yeah. we don't know how authentic they are. And I, I think that's right. what's very scary sometimes for me, at least. When I see these posts, I'm like, oh, it's a great post. But how authentic yeah. is the art behind it? And then you have to question right. that every single time a tragedy happens, is this person looking at it as an opportunity to have yes. make perhaps their post go viral or, you know, There's somebody that there's somebody that I've known for a while who literally produces work seconds after a tragedy happens that it sometimes makes you feel like if they have one ready to go for anything <laughs> possible scenario. I know so and many people like that. It's just so crazy. You know, Shamir and I talk about this. He actually like kind of <laughs> opened my eyes to this, but it's like, you know, the, you know when like, it's not even about South Asian art. This happens, you know, in with artists on Instagram and social media in general now um, where someone will die and then a few yeah. seconds later you'll see like for example 
you know, um, like Nipsey Hussle dies, okay? And then yeah. the next second you see him in a, in heaven with like Kobe and Juice World, like, <laughs> and, and, and they're like fist bumping each those other. Those are my favorite. I hate <laughs> those. I saw one with like Alex that. Trebek who just died, who's from Jeopardy. And then yes, it's like I saw him. that one. And was RBG like, was in it. Yeah. And what scenario would Ruth Bader Ginsburg be meeting Nipsey Hussle in heaven? Like I don't understand. And like at first I was trying to tell him like he was at the time Kobe died. And he was yeah. like, and he was kind of like, yo, like, what's up with this? And I'm like, bro, like, this is Kobe Bryant. And like, you know, when I guess I'm naive to a lot of it, because uh, whenever I, I I can't make art unless I'm like, you know, into it in that way. Exactly. There are things that we do with our like with our brand Ronopono, which is like we're thinking in ways of business. But then as personally right. on my page, I'm just like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, this is Kobe Bryant. Like, people feel passionate, this and that. And then when he showed me the heaven stuff, I was like, okay, yeah, like, I, this is weird. It's so corny and weird. Yeah. yeah. It's it, so it sells, corny though. And, weird. and it gets them the it cloud, so. Yeah. It sells on the internet. That's one thing that I also wanted to talk about. Yeah. Sell, when you sell shit on the internet, your currency is likes or reshares or saves, right? Mm. And my whole thing about my art is creating a legacy outside of the internet. If Instagram were to die tomorrow, would my art still live on? And I think that it does because I have created work that exists in so many physical spaces at Mm -hmm. this point. Um, That's something that I very much last year um, made a conscious effort. I was like, I'm going to get my work in physical spaces where people that are real life walking, not on their phones, can stop, look and see this is my art and it exists outside of the internet um because i'm an artist like i'm not doing this for instagram um and honestly when things are so important to you like i feel like your authenticity shows um because when nipsey died it took i was such a huge huge nipsey fan for the past four years just loved his music and so when he passed I was literally in an airport and Thenmet called me and he was like, Hufsa, did you see? And I was like, what? Like, I was about to board my plane. He was like, Nipsey Hussle was shot. And I dropped the phone mm. um, because I just like, it was like shock. And it took me two weeks to even think about drawing him. And then when I finally exactly, did, yeah. when I finally did, I was like, this feels weird, but I'm doing it because I want to draw him. And I drew him. And then immediately people were like how can i purchase this mm. and that's when you have to think about are you going to be the person that profits off of someone else's death and mm. that's when you had to make that conscious decision that no i'm not i could have made a couple racks from it but i chose not to because mm. that's just weird it's so <laughs> strange to make money off of someone else dying i just feel like so many people who do this kind of work on the internet do that and it's just sad well i also get it when like someone you know is not an artist and say you know i i really like what you made and i want to have it to also honor him and i want it i want to possess that right but i guess the the difference might be that like you know you would have to pay for it to get made but not profit off of it is that fair that is fair. I would yeah. say that's fair because I did do that for a couple mm-hmm. of friends. I just yeah. gave them the file and I was like, you guys can go get this printed. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, what's I, I want to know, like, what is kind of um, critique that you might get along the way? I'm sure when you first were making art or maybe even now, um, you know, are, are there times when people are like, yo, she's not 
authentic or she t- stole her work off of um, who was hate copy or something like that mm-hmm. um, or whoever the artist may be. Yeah. Have you ever faced things like that? And, you know, how do you navigate through that sort of critique? I think I've never been in a position where somebody said that I've ripped off or stolen someone else's okay. art or their ideas. But or exploiting I critique, culture. Um, I mean, that's... I haven't gotten that. Okay. I just gotta say the that's fact good. that you haven't gotten it is amazing because yeah. I have seen yeah. a lot of different people get accused or something like that. So you know that yours is more original or specific to you. If and I feel good about that, but I could see if somebody were to say that to me if they didn't know who I was or like followed my journey for the past ten years because sure. I got Instagram when it first like existed in two thousand. Yeah, you said you were like one of the first seven people to have Instagram. Yeah. Like what? I Whoa. was, and so like I posted. <laughs> art like back then right and so like i've been on this journey for a pretty long time um and i um the one of the criticisms that i do get is um people don't think that i draw um diversity enough in my like paintings and my drawings um and it's something that i've actually tried to be way more conscious of because this is going to sound like, I'm putting it all out there, it's going to sound kind of selfish and arrogant, but I don't mean it to come off this way. When I'm drawing something, I literally feel like sometimes I'm drawing myself. And um, people have, like, sent me messages and stuff, and they've been like, oh my god, you look just like the people that you draw. Like, you look just like your art. Um, and I didn't start to realize that until I saw a pattern that the these women that I was, like, coming up with in my imaginations looked so much like me to the point where like they were all reflecting my own skin tone and so Mm. if you were somebody who didn't know that and looked at it from like an outside perspective you would see this south asian woman just drawing light-skinned women and so somebody brought it to my attention and i like did some reflecting and i was like really like i have been doing this like subconsciously not because i'm trying to not be representative but because i've just been drawing myself um and i kind of feel like that makes you a little bit more authentic though just because like you didn't purposely go out there trying to be like let me try to be as inclusive as i possibly can you were just making things that you felt were true to you but now that you have been made aware of it i'm glad that you are like you know taking that into account and wanting to be more representative as your platform continues to grow but like i i can't like i don't think i would ever point a finger at you like while you're creating stuff and being like hey that doesn't seem like right for you to be only drawing light-skinned woman if it was something that you were just creating because I think I saw a story that you actually posted where you're like I draw things for me first and then Mm -hmm. I put it out there like how more how much more true could you be to art than that I totally get it and what you just said right now is my internal monologue but then I had to like look at the platform that I had generated. I didn't ask for this large of a platform, but I have it. And so now I have a responsibility. Um, And I didn't want this responsibility, but if so many people see themselves in my work, um, I have it now. Whether I like it or not, I just have this platform that I have to utilize in a way where people outside of myself feel like they see themselves. 
Um, and I totally, like, I struggle with this conversation all the time. Like, what you just said is literally my internal monologue. Like, I have this conversation with myself. I'm like, this doesn't feel authentic. I'm doing this for somebody else. But wait, I've already created this platform and people are looking up to me. I do need to create something that they relate to. And so it's just something that I've been battling, but also trying to be more conscious of. Well, isn't it the same, um, maybe not the exact same thing, but coming from a similar place of, like, when somebody draws the brown Powerpuff girls, they just want to see their skin color in these white girls. And maybe, like, on a, in a subculture now, we're seeing that where, oh, I don't want to see Hafsa skin color. I'm a dark brown girl, so now I want to see a dark skinned uh, version of Hafsa's drawings. So maybe it's like a sub sort of feeling of that same thing that we've um, grown up with, whether it be uh, African-Americans or the South Asian community or whoever that just want to see that representation. There's other Mm -hmm. people within our own cultures that maybe want to see further representation. Absolutely. And I get that. And I think it's important. And as somebody who has this large of a platform, it's something that I do need to do. But I don't like when I'm demanded of it. So that's mm, the issue, right? Of course, when people yeah. are yeah. like, you need to do this. You have to do this. Like, how dare you? I'm like, well, I'm just painting myself into these images, into these scenes, into this art, because I just never saw me, Hafsa Khan, in a museum. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. like, it, like, people always say that, like, artists, artistry like requires some sort of vanity and I guess it manifests itself this way sometimes but um, I do understand the social responsibility I have as somebody who has a platform of young women who want to see themselves in these in these beautiful ways and if that's what I'm set out to do then I'm going to do it no matter which how they look because we all come in different shapes sizes and colors Um, and so I think that's really important now, but it was something that I was struggling with at first because I was definitely just doing what I thought was myself in a non-microaggressive, non-confrontational, non- or anti-racist way. I was just creating work that seemed like it was mine and me. Um, But things change. And I think that, you know, the same way that we demand Um, the people that we look up to in the media for answers, results, and representation, I don't think I'm excluded from that if I have even 10 people following me. Yeah. It's good at least that you publicly talk about it and acknowledge that sometimes you don't get it or that you do get it because it is your brand. It's literally called Half and Half. Um, (laughs) And it's kind of weird to... um, I mean, I always... I always thought that that's what your art was is, you know, all the girls do look like you. I I thought that was being done on purpose and I just thought that that's what it is, but... It would be weird for me to be like, where am I in half <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> right? I don't know. I thought that was kind of obvious, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned that, you know, you want to see your physical art and you've been working on that and stuff. Um, we've seen that your art has been in, you know, different shops and uh, live events and um, uh, weddings. Uh, you work a lot of, like, commission pieces and stuff. I want to know what the process of that is, whether it be, like, oh, this would be a great opportunity to get my art out there or like if everything is kind of commission-based? In the beginning, it was, I want to say like two years ago, I was trying um, to figure out the balance between um, collaboration and compensation um, and like what was going to be the most beneficial for me and the person that I was trying to work with and so I did do a few things I did reach out to 
um, like certain event hosts and gallery owners um, to get my work out there. Um, but I feel like my social media presence has kind of like elevated me to a level where um, people just when one when you do one restaurant, like it literally opens up the door for 10 more. Um, and so like other ones first... will reach out to you and be yeah. like, I want this in mind. Got it. Yeah. So um, I did one restaurant um, commission work. Um, very small that kind of led opened like opened up doors to other restaurants and that kind of escalated from there now I feel like I've done too many restaurants um, mm. I feel like you can't walk into a South Asian restaurant in New York City without seeing my art which I didn't want to happen because I don't want to be the restaurant girl but working on restaurants is so much fun like it's honestly mm. like working with shop owners and store owners and um like retailers restaurant owners to figure out what their brand is and like what their theme is going to be to like develop like um specific work for them it's just such a fun process i don't think i'm going to stop was your first restaurant for those was it no it was the chai spot Mm. it was uh the really cool thing was the first time it was like shortly after you put up your work and for those Mm -hmm. and i went there and i don't know what it was it was like an internal like happiness just because it was the first time i had ever seen south asian art like printed and displayed ever yeah yeah like ever and so like to go in there and see and be like like i just had a lot of respect for you in that moment to be like wow not only is this a south asian girl that's doing it is printed being appreciated on a wall by a business by like you know it was just so cool so i'm glad that even though you're saying that's played out that you know people are able to see that all around and hopefully out of New York City and maybe around yeah. the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I actually wanted to take like ask you something further. Um, I think we went to an event and you were actually doing live painting, which oh, yeah. I've like never really seen too often. Mm-hmm. But that was really cool because you know like your brand is so powerful that people don't just want to put your art on walls; they want to see you make the art at the location yeah. and the event. Those are so, so fun. Um, I've done like three or four of them. Um, and the first one was in like a club-like setting, which I was terrified of. Um, but the people that I worked with was Sherrod and Juicy. They actually got like a black light. We got glow-in-the-dark paint, um, and we did it like super cool in a club setting, and no one bothered me with it. Um, and that it was such a positive experience that I continued to do it that way. Um, but it's been such a fun experience to do that because it adds another layer to like whatever event you're throwing because people like being part of this collective thing and mm-hmm. anytime that I've done it I've always had like people that were there participate and it's so much fun I think that it's definitely something that I had never seen before happen um, in, in, at an event and so I think it was cool that we did that it was it's nice, nice that people could add to the canvas at each thing because I remember you and I both went to this place in DC that was having like this show of some sort and you had um you weren't doing live painting but you had a canvas there and you left the paints open for everybody to kind of add something to and throughout the night it just got filled and filled and filled until I don't know if you remember this but at the end like close to the end somebody went and they just like wrote like something really mean at the bottom just like kind of almost oh, destroyed yeah. it so me and they you did. sat there like fixing it like trying to cover <laughs> it up with different paints and stuff but like everything else that was on there just seemed like you or whoever took that home would have like a piece of the event like yeah. wrapped in a one which again never seen before yeah 
that's funny um so you you get to travel a lot as you mentioned um you know because of your art and and you know you're going to all these different places uh what have you learned about like the people that you meet along the way or about yourself uh there's a lot of kind of characters that you meet sometimes or people that help you out along the way but uh, what's the kind of like the main takeaway that you've had um i think so most of my travel has been either event related showcase related or um specific to hanging physical things up or to do murals and so most of the time um if it's like commission client work i'm meeting with like restaurant owners retailers um and those are pretty like straightforward professional meetings um and um i really just love that people like regardless of you know their cultural background i feel like they're able to have a productive conversation because my parents were a little skeptical in the beginning. They're like, oh, you're going to work with like another South Asian Desi shop owner. They don't know how to do business, right? They're going to ask you for discounts. Yeah. yeah. My parents That's said important. that a lot. Um, and they didn't. I've never been in that scenario. And so I think that I've been dealt some very lucky cards in these in these instances. Um, and those conversations are always great. But um you know events and like showcasing stuff showcases are great um one of the bigger ones was the butter chicken podcast um we show like put up a bunch of work had the conversation it was really cool met a lot of people who had been following me for a long time um and so that was such an amazing experience but the events that i used to do um during like party settings and like large gatherings were always very interesting you met the strangest people um, people who didn't know anything about you, um, but then like made weird assumptions. Um, people that wanted to participate in the art, but then like critique it like explicitly. Um, so there have been some in- like interesting characters, um, but I still love doing those so much, and I hope that post COVID that we can do them again. Yeah, I actually remember um, the first time I met you. It was super awkward uh, because. <laughs> It was mad embarrassing for me afterwards, but I didn't know who you were because you had oh. had I you had all your art basically on your page. So mm-hmm. I think I first oh, was you introduced did, you to put you. a face to a name. Exactly. Yeah. So I was introduced to you um, based off of uh, our friend Isak's um, Mercy X mm-hmm. Mankind yeah. show. And they said everyone was saying, oh, half and half's art is on this jacket. I was like, oh, who's that? And then I like, looked it up and then I followed you. And then yeah. at that New York event, um, I I think you you said hi, and I was like, I don't like clubs and stuff at all. Mm-hmm. So I I don't like you know anybody touching or whatever. I feel like or people yeah. are always drunk and stuff. So I was like, and then you were like, oh, it's me half and half. I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. But <laughs> I wanted to ask a question with that. Like, what was what was the decision to like you know you used to have so much of your art, you kind of like mysterious, almost hiding behind your art, and then now you're really you know more out there and, and really expressive about who you are what you look like what you're into so what made that transition i think that's how my instagram started and my social media presence was like i was just myself and then i posted art here and there and then it started to take off a little bit and i kind of just didn't want to talk about myself or like what i did um the number one reason though was not a choice of mine um i actually used to work for a u.s senator um who was running for re-election and then after that was running for president um and so i was not allowed to show myself so it wasn't a choice so you would have you would have otherwise i would have 
Yeah, got I would it. Have. Okay. A lot of people I thought don't it was like that. a oh, I'm a Frank Ocean like <laughs> mystery artist or something. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I'm a big believer in expressing who I am with my brand because then, like, my brand wouldn't make sense if you didn't know who I was. Yeah, um, for sure. There's a lot of artists out there who don't show their face, which I understand. Maybe they just want their art to speak for themselves, but then you kind of don't get what their art is about unless you know them, I feel yeah. like. And so um, it's not a conscious thing. Um, people always say, Instagram actually sent me a notification the other day that was like, consider making a Finsta. They didn't use that language, but like, what? they were like, consider making <laughs> us an Instagram for yourself. I was that's going to just ask your if close you've ever friends. thought about that. I haven't. Cause I just post everything like on my page, like all of the mm-hmm. weird nuanced stuff. I feel like I'm so like deep into Twitter culture and I'll post like weird nuanced stuff on my Instagram from Twitter sometimes and my Instagram followers get confused and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, you guys don't know my real personality. <laughs> well, you seem like if, if you were one of the first people on Instagram that you're probably into social media and stuff before other people and did you have like a Tumblr and stuff too or no? Yeah. <laughs> See, I knew it. I knew it. How did I you, was one of those girls. How did you get on uh, Instagram? It was just like a beta thing? It was just a beta thing. My friend was like super into social media at the time. She's like, hey, mm-hmm. I discovered this app. Mm-hmm. You just post pictures to it. It's just like Twitter, but it's just for pictures. And I was like, okay. And yeah. so then I downloaded it. And I remember like just waiting and waiting every day to see if Drake would ever make one. <laughs> and he finally did. Um, and I was like, there's a purpose for me now on this app. <laughs> How are you with like keeping up with, uh, you know, n- there's always something new that you have to now do, whether it be like, Oh, now there's the when stories first came out and then there was, you know, reels and this and that. And especially running a business. Are there more things that you have to keep up with? And how are you with that? Yeah. And I need them for it because I literally, literally just made a business account like a week ago. Well, not a week ago. It's been a month. Um, But because you guys want to know why I have such bad anxiety with the insights. Like, I don't care how many people it's reached. I don't care how many comments or likes it has. They took away my like numbers. I don't know unless I like go and click on it. I just hate seeing when people send my photos to other people that are just pictures of me. And it happens Mm. so often and I get terrified. And so I just didn't want to know. And then it was like, you have to do this. We're Mm. literally a business. And so (laughs) I did it. Um, So I'm not great with it. I need to be better at it and to utilize all those tools because they're great marketing tools and they reach completely different audiences. Um, And so I do need to make more conscious effort of it. And I'm so glad that he's able to help me do that. But um, I'm not on top of it. Are you do you do you treat it as like a 24 seven thing or do you designate like certain time to be on social media and not? I'm on it way too much. (laughs) I don't have a time frame. I'm just on it. Well, you're you're a Tumblr girl. So I think that I think that that's like part of your. uh, I think my Tumblr is still around. I think it was called half and half in your coffee. Oh, Is, is that where is that where it came from? Yeah. That's where it came from. On Instagram, when I first made my Instagram, my Instagram mm-hmm. handle was Sharni, which means lioness, yeah. um, because that's what my name means. Um, and then I just randomly made half and half one day. People always ask, what's the meaning? And I was like, I was literally sitting there one day trying to figure out fun ways to say my name. <laughs> um, and that is what half and half is. 
Like, people are always like, oh, my God, is it because, like, half of your identity is this and half of your identity is that? And, like, you're, hy- like, you have this hyphenated identity and you're doing X, Y, and Z. I'm like, no, oh, I was just wait. coming up with. Wow. I've been using that when I talk to, like, you know, old people. And they're like, oh, my God, what does happen half of me? And I'm like, well, it's like, I'm so, so, so. No. <laughs> um, I literally sat there and I was like, what's a fun way to say my name? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's usually that simple. Yeah. Like, yeah. when people first start out. Um, you know, I, I understand that you kind of found um, this identity and, and further uh, learned about your own roots and all of that, like later on. But earlier, you were kind of this girl who grew up in the middle of America and Detroit and Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. In Ohio. Um, who was Hafsa before uh, Half and Half? Um, what were you into? What did you What did you used to do? I, my art wasn't South Asian inspired at all. Yeah. Um, I was super, I mean, super into music, love music, big part of my personality. Um, and so when I first started drawing people, um, I drew like hip hop icons. I think the first person I ever drew was Biggie. Um, and so my identity was super focused on music and hip hop. I grew up in Detroit, Eminem, Big Sean, um, big deals in um, Columbus, uh, Kid Cudi, um machine gun kelly bone thugs and harmony um the diplomats like super big deal great names. and so our or my art was so much so focused on um music so that kind of like shaped my childhood and my adolescence um but from an artist perspective before i was painting and drawing i was actually making stuff with clay so i was a ceramicist mm. for like four years and so I was actually going to go to college for it. I got accepted into Juilliard. Um, I was going to become a professional potter. And then my parents were like, what are you going to do? Mm. What, what are you going to do? Make pots? People make pots on the street in Pakistan. Damn. Would you, sti- would you still <laughs> do that? Um, I haven't done it in a really long time. Hmm. Do you have pots around your house that you make? I think they're somewhere in the basement. All the dishes honestly. are made by her. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Like I want a national flashback. competition. A half and half flashback just go through Could, my like, basement. Yeah. No, like a collection where like you just like make pottery and then paint it with your paints and then sell it for like a limited time only. <laughs> Wait, you said you were you want a national hard. Co- you said you want a national competition for pottery. Yeah, for a teapot. I made, like, the best teapot that year for, like, people in my age range. Okay. In all of America. Yeah. Yeah. It was Alice in Wonderland themed. I don't know where it is. I think it's still at my high school. So you were not only making the pots really cute, but you were painting them really cute, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very nice. So I was making them, painting them, glazing them, and then competing with them. Oh. I, I made a face one time in elementary school. Like, it was, like, one of those, like, projects that you made. And I brought it home. And we're supposed to be, like, making a self-portrait. And my family was like, who'd you try to make? <laughs> and it was just, like, <laughs> random pieces of a face just, like, attached, falling off. Like, my eye was, like, six times bigger than it the other Picasso. one. It was Picasso. It was Picasso. Um. So, so, so you, you've always been into art then um, since you were really little. Was there anything yeah. else that you used um, to do um, besides, like, art stuff, whether it be sports or anything else you were into? 
I had a diary I found when I was like 16 or 17 from like when I was seven or eight. I kept diaries. I was super into astrology um, as a kid. Like when you walked into my room, I had two posters. You still are into astrology. Yeah, (laughs) I am. And so I had like this huge poster on like what a Scorpio is. Mm-hmm. And then I had like a poster on like the different kinds of dinosaurs. Um, so those are my two passions. But I found this like little Scorpio diary with like a scorpion on it from like 1992. Or sorry, not 1992. I was born in 92. From like 2000. And I'm like looking at it. And um, on this one page, it was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be an artist or a Pizza Hut owner. Because I really. <laughs> loved pizza and art and I was so focused on it and I remember just looking at it like thinking about it the other day and I was like damn I really did that like I really told myself that I was gonna do it and I did it and it's just like wait so you have a pizza shop being an artist meant no I don't (laughs) one of those dreams came true but when's when's the pizza shop coming you being a Scorpio is that is that where the Drake obsession came from I've been that man's biggest fan since Degrassi I heard he's making oh, a wow. candle that smells like him. Yeah, it's $80. And I will be purchasing. <laughs> I will be purchasing. <laughs> this is why Jeez. people, this is why you guys buy my art, so I can buy Drake's scented candles. <laughs> what if it's just this cologne that he usually sprays every day? I don't what? care. I want to know what he smells like. You don't want to know Rega- what he smells like? Yeah, regardless, like? he's going he's gonna to smell like it. You know what? I'm going to go to the grocery stores and start putting half and half on all the celery packets because that's what you smell like. <laughs> If anyone wants a candle scented, um, a candle scent of me, then you can just go to your local grocery store. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you started making um, a, a little bit more, I guess, um, provocative art um, not super long ago, but I saw at um, when you went to Art Basel, that was basically all of it uh, displayed everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of flag did you get back for that? Oh my god, so it's not on my page anymore. I don't know if you've noticed, but you cannot find those pieces. I don't sell them. Um, I sell them, like, limited time um, only for, like, a weekend or something. Because I did not get backlash from conservative Muslim people, as you might think. Your family? No. My mom still... My mom looked at it and said interesting (laughs) i she actually looked at it and she was silent and then she looked at me and she said hafsa people don't get this this sort of like inspiration from their imaginations they sometimes get it from experience (laughs) i was like i don't know what you're talking about mom i just watch a lot of tv um i actually got death threats and sexually harassed by hindu nationalists what um they created a, a WhatsApp group chat, and it was called Takedown Half and Half, and it had 114 members Damn. in it. Damn. <gasps> Jeez. Um, and they wanted to basically just, like, kill me um, because they think that the art that I was creating was Hindu women in provocative positions, whereas they were South Asian women exploring sensuality, not specific to any religion, but these people were also the same people that would come at me for drawing South Asian women to begin with because they believed that things like henna and South Asian jewelry um, was Hindu-specific. 
Um, mm. And I had no claim over that sort of culture. And so I would get random messages from them. But for that specifically on art, they had like created a Twitter group chat um, and a WhatsApp group chat and they were just after me. <laughs> and so when one of them was finally like, I know where you live, that's when I took it down. Wait, how did you find out about the group chat? They sent it to me. Like you were in the chat? No, so no. Could you imagine? <laughs> you just send a selfie like, hey, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine? Actually, a lot of it, they were talking to each other in Hindi, and so I couldn't read it. Uh, um, but but why give into me... it? Like, I mean, somebody or another is always going to be mad at something. So, yeah, but well, that's extreme. I totally like, get that, but they found my address. Uh, so I was like, no, my family lives here. It's no, that's really it. scary. Yeah, that's not that's not cool. And also that's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm um as long as everything came out safe and everything like that, like yeah. that's a that's a fire thing to to you know have on your bucket Resume. list that you were on your <laughs> basically like a hit list. Yeah, because I was on of, a hit list. Of your, Wait, what uh, do you think they're gonna come back? Um, they try to sometimes, um, but I don't think so. They kind of, like, toned it down. The funniest thing that happened from the entire situation is that people were sending in their group chat, because, like, people, like, would send me screenshots of their group chat or whatever on Twitter, um... But they would send the messages in Hindi so I couldn't understand. The funniest thing is that people were like, please send her handle so we can go flag. And, like, those people would find me on Instagram and just follow me and like all my art. Like, some of them, the, the members of the group weren't even hating. They were, like, yeah. actual fans. <laughs> my uh, my uh, next question is, I guess, does that affect the way you pursue art going in the future? I don't think so. I think that was a weird anomaly. I think it was a heightened time of, like anti-muslim sentiment in india i think modi had just been like re-elected and there was just crazy stuff happening and those people will always be mad no matter what and so i was like kind of annoyed and like scared for a little bit but i kind of got over it and i don't think it's really affected my perspective yeah what is it like balancing you know you have this um a mix of audiences where you have kind of like the South Asian, you know, Bollywood loving um, audience. And then you have like people that came from your uh, calligraphy and, and your Arabic and Muslim uh, inspired art. So, you know, do you ever get um, external external or internal uh, conflicts um, with balancing those audiences? Um, sometimes I feel like um, the people that followed me for like, Islamic calligraphy when they see something risque probably get like confused as like this is the same person I follow but I think um, most of my audience has actually stopped being mean to me in my DMs because I've like made it very clear to them that if they are I will post it on my story (laughs) (laughs) that's the best way to do it it is honestly i swear to god if there was some sort of data study i could provide you since i started doing that like there is a significant decrease if not almost completely vanished um Mm -hmm. when i started doing that i was like if you're going to be mean to me i'm going to repost this onto my story and then people will be mean to you um (laughs) just leave the handle and everything (laughs) yes i don't care if somebody's stealing my art if somebody's being mean to me i will post that screenshot handle and all i do not care i am not a social media influencer i don't have brands like that i need to respond to or like be held accountable for i will be mean to anyone that's mean to me 
that's fire that's how you know that people you know sometimes post things out of just like quick instinct or emotion and then they don't really uh expect to be dealt with because they're like oh i'll just you know respond to this or comment here and then once they're posted then sometimes i don't know if you've seen this but i often see like a whole apology letter like yo i was just kidding or something like that (laughs) yeah sometimes they change a lot of those they flip the script sometimes absolutely um, so you ask your audience, um, this is on your website too, uh, if, if life imitates art or if art imitates life. Um, so I want to know what your answer to that question is. How do you see it? I think it's cyclical. So I think that life imitates art, art imitates life. Because I feel like, one, there's the obvious answer. If life didn't exist, how would art exist? That's true, but what fuels life? Um, because art fuels life. No matter how you are looking at it, some sort of art is going to fuel your existence. Um, I use music as an example. Um, music is a type of art form that literally changes my mood um, and like forces me to do things that like either like reflect or create or be introspective. Um, and I think that that is an example of life imitating art because it forces me to do physical things. Um, but then, you know, art imitates life because how can art exist without a lived experience? And so I think it's a cycle. It's a fun thing to think about regardless. And, you know, mm-hmm. for, for ways to um, for people to reflect on it. So that's cool. My dad always says something. uh, He's a graphic designer and an architect, but he always says that God is the greatest designer of all time. And I've always loved that because it's just (laughs) like um, one of the things that I get, um, you know, really um, excited about with that sort of quote is fruit. The way that like, you know, when you take Mm -hmm. off layers of the fruit from the cover to looking at the inside and how it's all shaped and everything like you can continue to dissect a fruit more and more and it gets more and more special. And it's just like Mm. it's crazy how this works, how this is engineered and crafted. Like if you were to think of it in that way of the terms that we use to describe our our work, which is like art and engineering and crafting and uh, science and all of that. Like it's crazy how much goes into like crazy. Um, My grandpa actually called me. My grandpa actually like called me into his room the other day. Um, and I was visiting him and he was like, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, great. Like, what did I do? Um, and he was like, I need to talk to you about your art. And I was like, okay. Ooh. And he puts on this like YouTube video explaining, um, the golden ratio by Fibonacci. Um, so the Fibonacci sequence of numbers is like one, three, five, seven, seventeen, fifteen, 15, and they're all divisible by 1.6. And it's this num- number that's found in nature. So like everything reproduces in that number. So like the numbers on like a flower, like the number of petals on a flower, um, the number of like blades of like leaves on this plant or like the number of times that like rabbits can multiply, etc. And so, um, those numbers like Fibonacci came up with the sequence and he said that those numbers literally um like influence every single type of design in life um from like architects use it but also designers do and the first person to kind of like um illustrate it was um Leonardo da Vinci um I know you guys have seen that like iconic image of a man inside of a circle with his arms spread out and like there's all these numbers and like a triangle in between right. the, that triangle in between is like measuring 
um, the span between that person's arm and their leg. And so that number, one of the Fibonacci numbers, presents itself again. Mona Lisa's head is actually within a square. And that square follows the Fibonacci sequence as well. And so just another prime example of how literally science is the reason that like obviously like life exists or, or how life exists, which literally influences design that you create. So like it's, we could say that it's art that's not found in nature, but it's literally found in nature. Sure. Did he start uh, putting that up to your art? Was yeah, he was like, do you use this when you draw? Like, do you pull up Leonardo da Vinci's manuscript when every time you draw? I was like, yes, Nana, of course I do. This, this was not Fibonacci one. <laughs> That's funny. What's yeah. next for uh, Half and Half and what's next for Hafsa Khan? Half and Half is finishing up some work for the year, um, just some Christmas commissions. Um, worked on two really cool dating apps this year. Um, really want to expand my work into um, different apps and user interfaces. So kind of want to explore that. Um, so you worked on going... art for that, for the dating mm -hmm. apps? Cool. So like if you go into the app and like you're trying to like upgrade your profile or something, yeah. um, you'll see my art. And like if you're trying to like pay for likes or something or like to have your profile show up on top, you'll see my art. So it's like different slides. Really cool. um, so it's been super fun and I actually really enjoyed it so I kind of want to explore doing that a little bit more um, but Hafsa is going to learn how to relax because <laughs> Hafsa has been running on E for the past four months and so yeah. next year we'll be focusing on relaxing and physical health because my and my peloton is coming <laughs> and I'm just going to be so fast you guys <laughs> well, you know, from uh, any time that I've seen you, um, whether it be speaking or, you know, uh, portraying yourself, it's always come from a place that I, I don't think any of us would be able to tell that you're not relaxed or that you're not comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, it's it's really nice that you're always uh, honest uh, about where you are and, and where you hope to be. But, you know, just kind of hanging in there and giving hope to other people. I think that's really admirable and you should be proud of yourself for that. So. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. This is honestly such a great conversation. Yeah, thank you oh, so I'm much glad. I'm glad. Um, where can people uh, find you besides Half and Half on social media? Is there anything else that you want to plug or that they should look forward to um, seeing you anywhere? No. Half and Half, half um, on Instagram. Half and Half and Half on Twitter because someone else took it. Oh, um, so rude. Um, and then half and half on Apple Music. I don't have Spotify. Sorry. Um, but what is that I for playlists? Or are you singing for playlists? I'm not Ooh. singing. <laughs> Plug the website. Dropping dropping beats. Oh my god! What, no, what, absolutely not. What's the website? The web. Oh, half and half dot com. <laughs> awesome. You'll find those all linked below. So um, before you go, we ask our strangers um, a question at the end of every podcast. So if Shamir, if you want to take that away. You could describe yourself in any flavor. What would it be and why? Mm, pistachio. Ooh, you knew that from the top? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I love pistachio. I'm green and creamy and sweet and kind of <laughs> ethnic. So here we go. <laughs> kind of ethnic. Because every time you get a pistachio flavor, anything, anywhere, I feel like everyone's reminded of home a little bit, whether that be South Asia or the Middle East. I think pistachios are so like iconic to us that we can claim them. You know, pistachios are like our cherry on top. Exactly. 
I just thought That's of that. That's such like, a great way to put it. But no, they're the pistachio on top. We can't the compare it to the cherry. But if you put it on, put like it a on middle dessert they or do. something, or even just Dishmary on anything dry. else. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Pistachio. Yeah. Good work. I like that. Um, thank you, Hafsa, again for being here. Everyone, please go check out her work if you're not already following her. Um, she's absolutely incredible, and she's true to herself. Um, so thank you again, Hafsa, <laughs> for being here. What? I want to know why you said you're green. <laughs> I don't know. I literally was trying to describe it. She's been eating a lot of celery. I know. I'm eating a lot of celery. And I'm environmentally conscious. Yo, imagine if she said, if she said celery. <laughs> she should have. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week. Another flavor. A little a stranger. We'll talk to you next time. I would change this for the world.